Colossians uh, 1, 9 to 22. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have now not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or domains or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to to have first place in everything. For it was the God's good pleasure for all the fulfilledness in dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, wherever things on earth and things in heaven. And although you are formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he as new reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Amen. Thank you, Nicole. Praise God. So we're doing a series on um, foundations for a strong faith. Good there? Yes. And uh, which is that little booklet? Uh, we're up to We're Made Righteous. And uh, one of the reasons uh, that, uh, that knowing we are righteous um, creates a basis for foundation for a strong faith is because we can, uh, we can believe that God has the power to meet our need. We can believe that um, it's his will to meet our need. We've got a We've got hold of the promises of God, and uh, we know that it's His will. But knowing that it's His power, that He has the power, and knowing that uh, it's His will, does not answer the question: What right do we have to ask? And all through the Scriptures, uh, it, or numbers of places, all through Romans, Hebrews, especially, but all through the Old Testament. Uh, with their sacrifices and, the, and uh, the offering of the red heifer, uh, they all pointed to the fact that God wants us to know that we have access to him to ask him what we will. Yeah. And so a lot of the offerings that were offered up in the Old Testament, last week we learned about the offering of the, the heifer, uh, which the heifer was perfect, heifer was sacrificed, burnt, and then the ashes were, it was taken outside the camp, the ashes were there. And it was used as an offering for when people just came into contact with something that was dead. And so they hadn't actually done anything wrong themselves. 
but the blood of the heifer relieved them of that awareness of sin. And so it is in Hebrews that it says, how much more will the blood of Jesus cleanse us from a guilty conscience yes. so that we can have free and unfettered access to the Father. So we've been talking about two kinds of righteousness. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And what, uh, from Romans 10, if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Romans 10. You can probably turn to Galatians chapter 3. And there are some other scriptures in there, but I'll just make them up as we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Romans 10 talks about two kinds of righteousness. Uh, one which uh, we can try and attain ourselves, and one which is uh, God's righteousness, which is given to us. We'll refer to that soon. But um, there's some things uh, about... Uh, there's, there's a verse in, in, in Mark where Jesus has healed some lepers and deaf people, and the crowd said this, He heals the lepers, He heals the deaf, He does all things well. Mm. Yeah. And there's a, if you think about it, our righteousness is the primary work of God. So if he's going to heal the lepers well, if he's going to heal the deaf well, if he's going to do all things well, how well is he going to make us righteous? That's a rhetorical question you didn't have to answer. I assume you're saying very well. <laughs> there's some things, you know, like there's some man-made things that I admire. We stayed, we stayed at my um my daughter's father-in-law's house. He just bought a lovely house, and he hasn't moved in yet. So he let us uh, sleep in in on his beautiful king-size bed. And it's got a view over the the hills around Canberra, and and I was admiring how well made the house was. This uh, house is in Canberra. It must have good insulation, but it's got in-ceiling insulation and in-floor insulation. Wow. I thought that's good. And I looked around the house. And I thought that's that's. That's well made. I'm glad it wasn't one of these spec homes that fall apart after the warranty runs out. <laughs> now, there's some things we do that are well. And uh, there's some things about human engineer engineering that I admire. I, um, I, I grew up in an era, and some of these, you know, you, those of us who are grey, uh, you know, that uh, Marcel was uh, stand up Marcel. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you something we need to take note. But Marcel was complaining about his haircut. I, I just thought, how rude is that? <laughs> it's rude. Cool. It's okay. <laughs> There's some things that I don't know how they came into it. I'm not allowed to pick on Chloe now. <laughs> so uh, there's some things that people do that they do really, really well. Uh, and uh, so I grew up in an era where um, my heroes were World War II heroes. World War II, that was a, a big, big punch. <laughs> Any Americans here? Do you know, I won't ask you what year World War II started because you say 1942. It's 1939. Right? <laughs> but uh, so my heroes were like Douglas Bader. Anyone remember Douglas Bader, Tin Legs Bader? Yeah. No, just thank you. Yeah. And. Uh, but my, my, my favorite uh, plane, my favorite plane of all times was the Spitfire. Yeah. You all remember the Spitfire? It had those beautiful 
curved wings and it was extremely uh, extremely agile it's just beautiful plane that it, it had the early spitfires had some faults with the carburetor and they couldn't keep up with the measure speed so even though it was beautiful it still fell short and then i um there's other things I, I i like the 1968 mustang anyone like the 1968 yep the yep and uh it's like that's pretty close to peak engineering i reckon <laughs> just the look of it and i'm often you know i look through on my facebook page knows what i look at you know <laughs> you go to the marketplace it knows what i've looked at so so you know all these old cars like the mustangs come up and that and i've thought about it and uh i thought about getting linda one for her 40th birthday so i got years to save up <laughs> but you know i don't know if you've ever driven in one of those old cars like they look better than how they go <laughs> it's all emotional they look good but they drive like tanks they, no car steering they guzzle you know like i, I you know like it's a righteousness is the two kinds of righteousness are a lot like that one of types of righteousness it talks about romans 10 actually we'll, we'll go there we'll read it so Romans 10, and we'll go verse 1 to 1 to 4. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them. So he's speaking about Israel. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Many people have a zeal for God, yeah. but don't know about the free gift of righteousness. Most world religions are about trying to be righteous. A lot of Christian denominations are about trying to be righteous. So they have a zeal of God, but not in accordance with knowledge. And so being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, the righteousness of God, and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. And it says this, Christ is the end of the law with regards to righteousness. Now, we're still to love the Lord our God. We're still not to steal from a neighbor or covet our neighbor's wife. Or we're still not to lie. But those things don't make you righteous. They've come from the new creation, from the love of God. The law, as far as righteousness is concerned, has ended. Christ is the end of the law with regards to righteousness. And so there's two types of righteousness the Bible talks about. And if we don't know what God has done in righteousness, we, we, if, it, we, if it's not indwelling, not become part of us, we always seek to try and work out our own, our own righteousness. Or we try and mix it together. Um, so there's three things I, I want to talk about really one that we can't we can't mix God's righteousness with our attempts to be righteous they do not mix two that 
our attempts to be righteousness will never be good enough. Mm. They'll always bring a voice of condemnation against us and against others. Uh, nothing, anyone, so, you know, nothing anyone will be able to do in some instances will ever be good enough. And we'll project our failings onto them just to try and make us look a bit better than them. And, and then even when we've done really well, it, it'll never be good enough. We'll never look good enough. We'll never feel good enough about each other. Our righteousness will never be good enough. We can't mix our righteousness with God's righteousness. Our righteousness will never be good enough. But God has done all things well. When he made us righteous, he did a good job. In, um, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, and uh, you can turn there and read, just check up on me if you like. No, Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5. Paul's talking to um, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. This. Anyone find that sometimes the books in their Bible just move around? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes Chloe gets my Bible, she cuts her face and moves around just to watch me fumble around. <laughs> uh, Galatians, the story of Galatians is that they had, they had come to know that salvation was free, but the Jews who had been raised up under the law um, never felt comfortable with uh, eating pork or eating prawns and you know they kind of resented when they went to eat with the with the Jews you know like the the, the, the Gentiles they'd have this platter they'd, and they'd have pork, pork bread or what's that stuff the real crackling yeah, yeah and yeah, yellow crackling you know crunch crunch you know and they'd have prawns and they'd have lobsters and they'd have all those things and the Jews would be sitting over there going no no <laughs> so they thought, well, we'll, re we'll revert, we'll revert a bit, you know. How unrighteous can you be eating those prawns and those lobsters and and crackling, you know? And so they decided to. And, and some people came from Peter from Jerusalem, Jews, and they came out there and said, well, that's not good enough because you know you you, you might be saved, but you've got to still keep keep the law. And so they 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 decide to eat by themselves, so they have their kosher food over there. Yeah. Uh, well, mate. <laughs> they had the kosher food over there, from, you know, like the, the you know the boring stuff. You know, oh, the lamb's not too bad. Yeah. And, and then and then they had the poison, and and they would separate them from there. And Paul and Paul came out, and he Paul came up, and he called them out to their face. In today's, you know, that's obvious to us. It doesn't necessarily translate too well, but in today's, uh, in today's church. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if we look around and see someone who's maybe just, you know, done something that, you know, is not quite kosher, and we look down upon them. Or, 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 um, or uh, they're obviously um, struggling in some areas, and we look down upon them. You know, the Pharisees, of course, you know, they get up and they pray and they'd say, uh, Father, they'd say, God, I'm glad that I was neither born a Gentile or a woman. Pharisees had that prayer. And uh, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> you guys are doing real, just look real, real, real straight, just straight in. Yeah. And so, um, and Paul called him out. And then he said this. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm again and therefore do not be submitted again 
to the yoke of slavery. So Paul's saying that if, if we judge our righteousness by things that we do, if we think that what we do can somehow weaken what Christ did for us at the cross, we're putting ourselves again under slavery and under condemnation. He says, look, Paul, I say to you, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will have will be of no advantage to you. I testify to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. I've never liked this um, expression. Why did it happen to them they're such a good Christian? Or, or, or you, you know, and I, I know what people mean, but they, need to, they talk about someone, they go, oh, they're a good Christian. I know what you're trying to say, but what, how, what's a good Christian? If you're exercising faith in Jesus, wherever you're at, that's a good Christian. You know, Jesus talked about the people that came to pray and the Pharisees that got up there and prayed so self-righteously and the person who got up there and realized how much they needed of God and he said, that's the one who's righteous. But he says to them, if you take circumcision, you're going to keep the whole law. He's saying you can't mix your own, you can't think that somehow I'm more right today because I did this or didn't do it than I was yesterday. If you do that, you've got to go all the way. And then he says this. He says, you have fallen from grace. Read it. You got a pen? Underline it. For if you sit from Christ, you who would be justified by the Lord, you have fallen from grace. Now, if you've been around church places, uh, uh, church long enough and, you know, uh, Pentecostal churches especially, we have this expression because we love to judge, you know, other people. And we have this expression, <laughs> oh, they fell from grace. And we say it very, we say it very, um, very religiously, don't we? We say, so, oh, you know, they fell from grace. Well, they, you know, they had an affair, they fell from grace. How misquoted can you do? Because yeah. actually saying that, you're the one who's falling from grace. Because in putting uh, some sort of sense on that person uh, that that by that their righteousness is rated on a scale of how good they are, how bad they are, you're, the Bible says you're fallen from grace. That's why the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says we now no longer judge anyone after the flesh. No way ever does it ever give you license to knowingly sin. Never, 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 never. But your righteousness will always be on what Jesus has done for you. See, you can't mix those two together. Yeah. I've told the story a few times, and um, when I was, I like to say when I was first saved, but <laughs> I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12 or 13 on the 17th of January, 1974, 1975, which is, you remember the 17th of January 1975, was it? Thursday. Thursday. And, uh, but afterwards I remembered actually going forward in the Salvation Army. And, uh, I just think of 
watching me, judging me. <laughs> She's fallen for grace. I can wear my cap. No, I'm going to be ill. I'm going to go back into grace and wear my cap. It's a grace cap. Like Paul said, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I don't even judge myself, he says. Praise God. So I guess how I remember in Salvation Army going forward kneeling, you get to a certain age, I know I've told you this story, but uh, you go forward in, and you know, out of the young person's service, and, you know, if you haven't got saved after the first three or four years of young people's service, they, they push you down the front because it's time to go to big church. You know, so I had to go forward, I knelt down with all my friends, and um, and I, I, they all just, I said, why have we got to go forward? They said, just don't worry, go, just go forward. You know? So I preached the gospel message. I must have heard, it must have touched my heart. And I went forward and I knelt. They had this, what we call the mercy seat. Any salvationists here, any ex-salvation army here? And that's good, so I can embellish this a little bit. <laughs> so they had this mercy seat with padding and a wooden rail and I knelt down on it and I just began to cry and cry and cry. And the young person's leader came and put his arm around me and he said, what's wrong, Grant? And I said, I've been such a bad boy. I'm sure he thought I'd murdered someone. And really, all I, the worst I'd ever done was steal an eraser from David Jones. And even then I got busted. Mum busted me, turned me around, had to go and sit outside the manager's office. But nevertheless, and then he said to me, he explained this, he said, some people think the blood of Jesus only goes so far. He said, but it, you know, if you sin this bad, it, it goes all the way past it. And I, this is why I, why I appreciate what he was doing and saying, I came away with this impression that, that our own goodness rates, our ability to be good gets up to here and some people here and God will make up the gap between our goodness and his goodness he'll make up the gap between there but our job is always to be gooder so there's got to make up less gap <laughs> you understand has anyone ever felt that you felt that like, i know he's he, you know but the obligation on, on me is to be gooder and better but if you could be gooder or better you would have been gooder or better so you can't mix it either you are made right by blood of Jesus or you're made right by your works Paul says when you turn and you get this sense of unrighteousness that because of something you've done it's not what it's it's the sense of unrighteousness that is fallen by grace or it's judging others that's fallen by grace or it's thinking falling from grace if anything some of the greatest transitions in people's lives are when they've come to the end of their sinful tether and fallen into grace. Yes. Billy Graham's grandson has a great testimony on that. He rebelled and he went away and he said, I fell into grace. Yeah. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, through the law, I died to the law. Through the law, I died to the law. We're talking, folks, about our right to go before the Heavenly Father and how 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 it's it's... It's not, I'm going to, I trust to get past the introduction today. <laughs> and how, um, when we go feeling inadequate, we have to reject that. Yeah. I'm not talking about, you repent, you know, you repent, you receive forgiveness, 
Don't go in there prideful and arrogant. Don't go on the other hand. Don't go the other way and think I can do whatever I like and then go before the Father. No, that, that's, that's, the Bible calls that treading again the blood of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. But that sense of guilt and condemnation. You can't mix our words. You can't go, I, um, I, 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 uh, I used to abseil a lot. I know I told this story and I, I mentioned it last week, but I'll re-emphasize it. How I was once going over a cliff face, uh, actually it was a dam, 50 meter dam in the uh, Brenda Bellas outside the Canberra. And I got about 10, 15 meters down, maybe a little bit more, and I started to panic. You've done some abseiling, you know what that's like. I started to panic. So I reached out with my hands to, to, <laughs> to climb up this wall. So you understand, I was about as far as the height of this building is, and it's a, it's a vertical fall and I'm actually it was actually concave at that bit and I started to try and climb up and, and it dawned upon me I was either going to have to make a really good job of climbing up or I was going to have to trust the rope now I'm alive so you know I trusted the rope but we have that temptation to try and claw up with the sense of self-righteousness to try and claw and strive to be better We don't do that well. Yeah. Humans don't do righteousness well. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the eating from the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we don't do it well. Adam blamed God. I mean, seriously, <laughs> how, how far can you fall? I know we think he blamed the woman. He actually blamed God. He said, that woman that you gave me, you're the one. And self-righteousness will do you. It will look for yeah. people who are doing things worse than you or aren't as pretty as you or they'll judge themselves. You know, that that's all self-righteousness. We don't do righteousness well. And so what the first thing we have to learn is that we can't uh, judge. We, we can't mix our righteousness with his righteousness. We've got to receive it or not. Now, I showed you this. I showed you a, a Kruger rand yesterday and I didn't. I was inside the house. I knew I had this somewhere else, so I got at least to bring it. This is a little, isn't that beautiful? No, you're not keeping it. <laughs> it's a little, it's a beautiful little koala. It, it's, it's a uh, proof and it's sealed in this capsule. That's a spiritual reference because after being made righteous, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So no stain can get on our heart. You don't open this up. But this has a, a, a surface, uh, you can read it, I think it's on the back maybe, a surface value of $1. You can either give this a value of $1 and go and try and try and buy lunch with it, you know? Or I could give it, it's 100% silver, I could give it its inherent 100% pure silver value and buy so much but you can't do both and so we have to make a decision are we going to judge ourselves i just looked you at my righteous coin and uh, we have to decide are we going to judge ourselves by our surface our temporal value and the way we feel about ourselves the way we look around are we going to judge ourselves by the righteousness of God who does all things well. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, I own someone, because I'm selling a few of these now, that's why I'm carrying them. I bought them previously when the price of silver was a lot lower. And someone said to me, but it's only got a dollar written on it. I want to buy it. <laughs> trying to knock me down. I said, it's 100% silver. I don't get it. You know, I know it's value. We have to know our value. Yeah, amen. And not mix it. Yeah. Let's say you're so short. And say, okay, it's worth this many dollars, one dollar, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. I'll go 40 bucks, go halfway. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, you can't mix it. It takes humility yes. to receive the righteousness of God. Yes. Because, like the Apostle Paul said, you were reading it this morning, Chloe. He says, I count all things lost. Not just the bad things. The good things, all these achievements, born of the right tribe, circumcised on the right day, trained under the right Pharisee, achieved all these things. He said, all those things I count as lots. And the word is dung. It means a pile of manure. <laughs> so that I may obtain the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't go into the resurrection holding on to the cross. God does all things well. There's a verse, he's done all things well, so he's made you righteous well. Yeah. And in this verse that we read from, uh, from um, well, first of all, so keep your finger in Colossians, we'll look at it in a minute. But there's a verse in Romans 4, 25. Which I think is uh, mistranslated in many, or not not fully translated. And yeah, I often do this, guys. You go, you got to trust me. You don't have to trust me. Look it up yourself. But I always do go find a couple of references and a couple of. I think it's not fully translated. Put it this way. It says this, verse twenty-five. It says, um, It says, he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's Romans 4.25. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. First of all, I think it's better to say raised for our righteousness. It's the, it's the actual word which is often used as righteousness. But in the literal translation, so this is in the Young's literal translation and in the literal, literal standard Bible, it says this. He was raised, he, he died for our transgressions. He was raised because of our being declared righteous. Now think about that. Because so often in our faith, we, we either settle at the cross, and some denominations settle at the cross, and Jesus is still on the cross, and God bless them. We, we pray for their revelation in Bethford. And then some, some of them... No, he's off the cross and settle at the empty grave and you know. But this Bible this Bible this verse says that he died for our forgiveness of sins. So we our sins were forgiven on the cross. We know that. Yeah. If you haven't received it, receive it. But because we were made righteous, he was 
raised. Our sins were forgiven at Calvary. The system of judging was forgiven at Calvary. And so many Christians know they're saved, but don't know that they've actually been declared righteous. And because we were declared righteous, he was raised. In the action, you can look at it in the action of being raised, we were declared righteous. But we were declared righteous, which caused him to be raised. Because he was raised to newness of life, the Bible calls him the firstborn from the dead. God does all things well. If he was raised, we've been declared righteous. We don't mix it. We don't mix it. We're either righteous or we're not righteous. We'll end with Colossians. There's so much more we could say about it. But go back to Colossians. And Colossians uh, chapter 1, and it parallels, there's the similar verses, which, you know, for a Bible college, we go and look at them, but we don't really have time. Very similar verse in in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and Paul approach has this approach to to and a number of epistles where he talks about uh, what God has done and then he talks about what we've done our efforts but uh, in Colossians he goes through this long list Colossians 1 and remember our righteousness is a work of God it is his handiwork. Uh, if God made a spitfire, what would it look like? I mean, honestly, the Germans, they would just surrender. If God made a Mustang 1968, there would never be a Mustang 1969. There wouldn't be any more. There's no more. Because he does all things well. And we are the greatest. Our righteousness is his greatest work. Greater than the universe greater than the miracles Jesus did, greater than parting the Red Sea, greater than the law. The Bible says that the law just fails. It fades into insignificance compared to our righteousness. So he says this, he says, talking about him who made us righteous. He says he is the image of the, of the, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That means that he rules and dominates creation. For by him everything, talk about it, think about it this is the person who qualified us yeah. all right yeah. this is his you know like people go around with qualifications they had their card out and it's got you know uh, uh, cert three cert four diploma uh, advanced diploma uh, graduate um, uh, masters uh, the phd 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 this, this is his qualifications this is Paul's giving his qualifications for making us righteous. This is the right that he had. This was the engineer behind God's Spitfire, God's best creation, which is us. 
Verse 17, he is before all things, all things hold together with him. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead in everything that he might be preeminent. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, he reconciled all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Christ. That's his calling card. And then he goes, now you. <laughs> now you, how well did you do? What's your qualification? Yeah. This is what Jesus did. You know, conquered Satan, rose from the dead. You know, crushed the devil in the head. Praise the Lord for you know, took sickness, bore sin, raised. That's his qualification. Created the world with his word. Upholds the universe with his word of his power. Now, what about you? How's your righteousness going? <laughs> Look at the person next to you. How are you compared to that? How's your righteousness? He says, uh, now you, uh, you were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. <laughs> That's my righteousness. Alienated, my mind's all wicked and perverted, fighting God, and all I could do in life was evil deeds. That's our righteousness. And then he says this. He has now, he, he, it's his work. Not our work. It's his work. He reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He did this for this reason. To present you. Present you. Jesus is showing you off. He's showing you off to the angels. He's bragging on you to Satan. He's showing you off to the rest of creation. He did all this thing to present us. Yeah. Present us. And present me. Present you. Present you. He did that to present you. He he, he cleaned you up and you know, you, you know you have this what's this thing where girls turn fifteen or sixteen, they get they they get presented. Um, it's every time you have like they get their best dresses and the joints fills up and, and then well he, he's done that. He's he's done all these things to present us to the world. Satan, this is you who you've got to this is you gotta fight against. He did us present us. And how did he present us? Hold. I know we've got some Catholics here. The word saint. He presented you as a saint. Holy. Blameless. Without blame. Now. Now. We are presented before the Heavenly Father. This is saint. That's something a little bit easier to believe. Say Chrissy. <laughs> saint. Saint Simon, holy Saint Simon, Saint Ricardo, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, Saint, holy, holy Spirit, holy Chloe, like you know, Batman, holy Spirit, holy Chloe, now only God could do that, Yeah, amen. there is a big work, make her holy, you know, just as well as blood of ours because he made you holy. Holy Nicole. Holy. Yeah. Holy. Holy. 
blameless. No blame. But I've done all these things wrong. No, 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 no. No blame. Blameless. No, no, no blame. But I did this. No, 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 no. Now you must be getting me confused with the old man. You must be getting confused with the unrighteous dude. Now I got born again. This is the new dude. This is the one presented. And then he gives this word. He says beyond reproach. This is a beautiful word. Because he's already said, he said some translations say beyond blame. This is beyond reproach. What it, one of its meanings, and I believe it means this in this context, because he's already said blameless. He's already said holy. It means unable to be blamed. Unable to be blamed. Like, you know, gold refined like silver or tarnish actually put out there or oxidized. But, but gold is unable to tarnish. Our status before God, we are called, he said, his work is that we are unable to be blamed in his eyes. And that's the basis in which we go before the Father. Surely Jesus does all things well, doesn't he? Look at the person next to you and say, he did well. I don't mind about your broken nose. I don't mind about this. He did you well. He did you well. He did you well. He does all things well. We've got a special prayer request and then we've got prayer request. Is that for your niece? Is that for my niece, yes. So we're going to pray for. Um, that you know, do you know God's presence, and that you have peace, and that you have healing. We're going to pray together for that. And what's her name? Isabel. 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 Take this opportunity now just to reflect. Either Jesus rose from the dead, or he didn't. If he rose from the dead, and you believe in him. You're righteous, you're holy, without blame, without blame. So let's agree uh, together and pray. Father, we bring uh, Isabel before you. Thank you, Lord, you're a loving God and you can move in her life. And we pray that you bring people alongside her to encourage her in faith. And we believe, Lord, for a good report from the doctor for her healing. Thank you, set our faith towards it. And Father, whatever our needs before you, we know our needs. We bring them before you, not because of what we've done, but because of the blood of Jesus. And we're holy, we're blameless, and we're unblameable. So, Father, in, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for moving in our lives. We thank you for our families. We thank you for healing. We thank you for provision. We thank you for, for calling us out of darkness into your glorious light. Father, I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit will quicken to us all in our hearts, quicken to us, illuminate to us who we are in Christ and before you how we stand holy, blameless and unable to be reproached. In Jesus' name, all the people said.